Hey there, triathlete. Welcome to the Triathlete Mindset Podcast, where we explore effective training mindsets, life's challenges, and provide you with real-life strategies to help you become a stronger triathlete. Here is your host, Coach Morgan, the People's Coach. Hey, everybody, we got Kevin here, and he is about to rock your world with some stories of a lifetime, and I know that this is going to be exciting because I'm excited. I can't tell uh, that I'm excited, and I'm ecstatic that this is going to be like another episode of this dream come true, right? And we're going to talk about failures today. And I, I can tell you some stories on my end about how I failed to get to this point to be there to fathom that I could have a podcast or be on Zoom or talk to somebody awesome like Kevin, you know what I mean? So Kevin, tell us a little bit about you. Well, Morgan, those are big, kind words from you. I appreciate it. I am Kevin Elmore. I've uh, been doing triathlon for about... Nine years now, so I started in 2012 at, on my 50th birthday. I started out trying to lose weight. I've basically been an athlete my entire life, but I got a little sedentary as I was raising my kids. So I wanted to lose weight before my 50th birthday. So I bought a bike and started riding. I met a guy named Mark Monet, which is a mutual friend. Yes, sir. Uh, he's been in triathlon for years and years. And uh, he invited me to go running and get in the pool, and the rest is history. Uh, now, see, I've been on Team USA for probably six, seven years straight, competing okay. in duathlon and aquathlon. And I'm a USA uh, Level 1, USA Triathlon Level 1 coach. Also, in my civilian life, uh, I'm a captain at American Airlines. Lies. <laughs> I love a bro. Yeah. Bro, I love so, American. I, you know why I love America? Because they were like all active duty members. <laughs> oh, yeah. We, and you know what? I'm obviously, I was a Navy pilot. And, yes, sir. Uh, so I look out for my military brethren. Anytime I see somebody in the military, if I got a seat up front, I asked the flight attendants to put them up front. I need to fly with you. I, I mean, I can't afford first class, so anytime I can get up there, I've been I've been brought up there twice. But you know, uh, it really when it comes out to, I get a free adult beverage, and you I go. enjoy that. You you know and, I mean? and now with COVID, that's the only way you're gonna get one is sitting in first. Really? Right. Yeah. Oh they man! That. Wow, bro. It's crazy times, and we both know that. I know you know it. You're a pilot of airplanes, and that whole world in general has been affected. And it's almost like, was it a year? How many years ago was when we had the issue with the recession before, and the airlines were having really, they really struggled, right? And a lot oh, of yeah. some airlines, small ones, kind of failed. Failed <laughs> you know? and uh, bankruptcy. All three of the major carriers went bankrupt yep. at, at some point between 2003 and 2008. Yep. I remember that, man. And it's just another hit, right? It's a really good transition into what we talk about failures, right? Because, you know, how do you bounce back from them? How do you keep moving forward? Are you prepared for them to happen again, right? right. Because these airlines, as we know, or anything else that we do, the first time it happened to you, it ain't really your fault. But the right. second time, you should know better. Are you prepared? Have you taken precautions to deal with that? And what I want to know is what failures in your life, like what's that big one that stands out to you most in your civilian life, as we would call it, not as an athlete, even though we right. know they, they kind of like interlock, what stands out to you as being the most life-changing experience? Right. So for me, my dream as a child was to become a uh, pilot, an aviator. And 
basically to get to that point, you know, obviously you have to do good in school. You have to listen to what people tell you, mind your authority, all that stuff. And I knew how to get there. I had a mentor to help me get accepted into college and get into the ROTC program. But the first biggest failure for me was not taking care of business in school. And my parents warned me, you know, if I went to Auburn with my, what ended up being, he was my friend in middle school and high school. My parents warned me. They said, hey, don't get there and act a fool because (laughs) you have three options in life. They would tell me this before I even got to high school. Uh, When you turn 18, you have three choices and none of them involve staying at home. First one is like going the military. Yeah. <laughs> Second one is you can work. And the third one is you can go to school. So those are my three choices. It even let you stay at home if you went to school? They said if I went to a local school, I could stay at home. That okay. was get, get up out of here, right? <laughs> but I wanted to go away to school anyway. So that's kind of why they said none of them involve staying at home. Right, right. Uh, so anyway, well, I went to South Carolina for one year and I transferred to Auburn because that's where my buddy was. My parents warned me. They said, don't get there and act up. So what did I do? I got there and partying became <laughs> the part, part of the curriculum. Party and party. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that became part of the curriculum. You know, Bo Jackson and Charles Barkley were there when I was going to school and You know, going to football games and basketball games, that was, you know, that was kind of my my lifestyle. So, unfortunately, when it came to selecting for what you wanted to do in the service, either submarine, surface warfare, or aviation, of course, aviation was what I wanted, I didn't have the grades. Yeah. So I shouldn't have been because I knew what I had done prior to. Did it to yourself, yeah. Man, I was, I was devastated, Morgan. I, my goal, my dream was no longer available to me. So that's where when you fail in life, how you respond defines you. And fortunately, my parents were amazing, you know, and I have had, was surrounded around good people. Right who supported me and lifted me up. I remember at graduation, my dad brought a pair of gold wings. And he said, this is still your goal. Don't deviate from it. Well, you've already deviated, but don't stray further. You know, this is still your goal. So he pinned those wings on me at my graduation and said, this is still the path. You know, they, you, it's you, like they tell you in triathlon, like it's still possible. Like that's what he said. Anything is possible. Like you anything. still have it. Yeah. That's right. So I did. I went and I served. I went to surface warfare school down in San Diego. Uh, served on the USS Enterprise for a year and a half. With Captain Kirk. Uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> Captain Skip Lushner. Lushner. And I tell you what, the most difficult man in the world I've ever worked for. Uh, it was hardest job I've ever done in my life. Um, I would never. The surface warfare Navy is a whole different ball game, but I learned a lot of lessons and I learned if I was fortunate enough to transition from surface warfare back or get into aviation, there was no way in heck anybody was going to stand in my way or I was going to, you know, put me in a position to return back to that because that's not where I wanted to be. 
So you were a pilot then, right? As you joined, you were you were a naval pilot, right? And so no, 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 the way it works in ROTC is you graduate from college in the morning, and then you go and you get your commission uh, as an officer in the afternoon, and then um, what they do is they send you to either submarine aviation or surface warfare. So since I didn't get aviation, I had to go to surface warfare school, which was a struggle because I didn't want to be there. And um, it was hard, you know, it's 16 weeks of you're hitting the books, you're taking tests, two tests a week. It was tough. So like you already on a track where you say, I want to go do this, but I've already done some things now. And I know how the military works, right? They put you in in an area in that where you really don't want to be. So, I mean, well, most people like I, that I've seen and that I meet, when you take an individual and put them in an environment that they don't want to be in, it's really less likely for them to actually come out on top because they're blaming everybody else for some things that they got themselves there, right? Yeah. And then you have to grind in this school that's a lot harder <laughs> and you don't even want to do it, right. right? What were you thinking? I was angry. You know, I was just, I was frustrated because... I took ownership of it. That's the one thing I would say is in failure is when you fail, you have to own it. You have to say, okay, I, I, I am the one that put myself in this position. You can't point the finger and say the man did it to me. In my case, you know, I guess there's some situations where outside influences affect your performance or, or what you're doing, but this was all on me. So I had to chew it up, I had to grind, and I had to do everything I could to uh, graduate from surface warfare school once I got to the ship. Then I started our, I started putting things in place so that I could perform well enough to put in my package, my letter for transition into aviation. And that was my focus from day one when I got there, was I can't just be a regular surface warfare officer. And you know this from being a brown-skinned man in this country. Um, You have to be 10 times better. So I work my fingers to the bone, uh, thanks to a a really good chief who showed me the ropes. But I work my ass off. It's great that, you know, you had that moment where it's that proverbial, like, the shake that you gave yourself, you knew, and it seemed like you said, okay, now I need to grind. Like, it's a lesson in that. It's a lesson. It's like... (laughs) <laughs> if you do it right the first time, right? Right. If you, you know, it, it, there are certain things that are within your control. You know, when we talk about training, we're talking about race day, right? You can't blow about my, my nutrition with South. Right. Did you do right. the homework, right? Did you put in the work and you have to be able to take the ownership of right. that? That's my biggest fear in a race. I'm not necessarily worried about my performance. I worry more about did I do the homework? Did I put in the work? I remember in uh, 2016, standing on the start line in Cozumel at the ITU grand final at the world championships in Aquathlon. And I'm standing there and I mean, I was just shaking. Uh, Buddy of mine said, Hey man, you all right? And I just started crying because I was like, Oh man, man, I don't know if I belong here. I mean, you're looking at people from, all country, you know, Spain from Australia, you know, everybody's fit and lean and, you know, you're standing there going, what am I doing here? 
you know, and I wondered, I didn't know if I had put in the work to be, that was my first world championship. So I didn't know if I had put in the work to be worthy of standing on that start line at the world championship. So I was worried that I had put in the work. But did you? How did it go? I did. I put in the work. If I remember correctly, I finished like, I don't know, 35th or something like that out of over 75, 80 athletes, something yeah. like that. That's still good, man. And then that's the key, right? And right. we all have those moments. Right. <laughs> and this is another good lesson. It's like you still put in the work and you still question it, right? And, and it just shows that you're human, right? You've done some amazing things. You fly airplanes for a living. You fly airplanes for our nation. You've been to school. You have the work. You say the brown-skinned man, like, we got to grind. And the expectations of where they think we've came from uh, right. kind of follow us in. And instead accepting us for who we are and you fight through so many things and you question your ability to show up even though you're there and it happens to everyone. It happens to me. It's going to happen to you again. It's going to happen to me again. I know that as a coach, how do you help an athlete out with that? Right. When they go out there and they felt that they have done everything and we'll go two scenarios, right? It's that one that's done right. everything and the other one that ain't done what they thought they did. Right. right. <laughs> we know right. both we both know those people. But let's right. talk about the ones that you that they felt that they have put in the work, but it didn't happen for them. And they just they lose their marbles and they just right. they start to go in a real dark place. How do you work through that with them? Right. So basically you have to, you know, my mom it's an old cliche. You have to turn lemons into lemonade. You have to extract the positive from the negative. You have to focus more on that, I think, than the negative. Now, of course, if somebody is going into an event where they felt like they put in the work, but then they show up and realistically, they realize or they should have realized that, oh, snap, that wasn't quite what I needed to be doing to be where I wanted to be. Right. So... I think the way you do it is you just tell, tell that person, hey, this is where you were and this is where you are now. And you've improved dramatically from that point. If you want to take it to the next level, if you want to achieve this particular goal, then we're going to have to kick it up on another level. Right. But don't dismiss the fact that you put in all this work and you still were able to accomplish this. I mean, you show them where they were and say, if you would have entered this race where you were, you probably wouldn't even have finished. Now you finished. Okay. So let's build from there. Let's see where we could go from there. That would be my approach. That's the way I, I would. I'm and I think, I mean, I think that's a lesson. There's power in failure. You think you succeeded everything that you work your butt off to achieve. Right. Did, would you appreciate it when you actually achieved the goal? Right. right. Like that's the right. whole point of triathlon. Anything is possible. Believe it's possible. Work through it. Work your butt off. That work possibilities means that there are possibilities that you may not succeed. Right. That's simple. We don't want to accept that. Yeah. Let's go back to college. My college roommate, he got to Auburn on a, a Navy ROTC scholarship. Okay. I went to South Carolina and I had transferred to Auburn. So when we started partying and the grades went south, uh, we both got put on academic probation. I knew that failing out of school was not an option because I couldn't go home. 
Yeah, we know that part. (laughs) Right? So that's when I started realizing, okay, I need to really, my parents told me, but I didn't pick it up then. But now I've been put on academic probation by the school. Now it's time to pick yourself up and start moving forward. Unfortunate for my roommate, he didn't make it. He failed out. So he went home. His parents got a moving van, came down to Auburn and packed him up and moved him back to Maryland. That wasn't an option for me, Morgan. The day he was moving out, you know, I was talking to my dad and he goes, I I hope you understand we're not going to be coming down there with a moving van. Mm -hmm. So that was a wake up call for me to get my stuff together. And I had to work. I had to dig myself. I was in a hole and I had to dig myself out. But that's just an example of you have to recognize when things are not going right and you have to do something about it. You can't point the finger. You can't expect things to magically work themselves out. You got yeah. to put it in work. I think the bigger piece in many cases in your story, when you talked to me, right, you talked about basically how the universe kept giving you second chances, right? Right. And I think what we need to understand is it's okay to give ourselves second chances, third, fourth, fifth, sixth chances, as long as you're making forward movement. Like you're going to stumble, you're going to fall. But I think Les Brown says this, a great motivational speaker. He said, when you fall down, make sure you fall on your back because if you can look up, you can get up. And that's the key because no matter who you deal with, life is not going to be perfect. The circumstances are not going to be set the way you want because other if it was, you know, if there was all good and no evil, you wouldn't appreciate the good. And we have that every day with that people have been given things that are have never really seen a lot of hardship. They have this privilege about them. And when the shit hits the fan, guess what? They freak out. Right. I don't know what's right. going on. Right. Mm-hmm. So I would say, you know, you know, I come up and struggle and 23 years in the military coming from the ghetto, come doing what I'm doing. And even as an athlete, I ain't fast. I'm not right. this high performance dude. Right. I have failures too, but like, people are like, so what do you do, Morgan? I find a way. Like I don't wallow in it. I don't get stuck in it. I take it and it's like, okay, I learn from it. I can tell you how many times I failed to attempt to think about a podcast or how to do it. And I got stuck. Right. Or somebody told me, no, don't do it that way. Or that doesn't sound right. You know, even from my first podcast to this one, I've learned something. Right. Right. And that's the key. And so as we move forward, what I would ask you to do as we wrapping it up here, there are people listening to you. And I'm going to just jump out on the ledge and say that everyone listening and watching has failed at some point in their life. But there's a select few within that group that are stuck in it. They're stuck in it and they're going, I'm the victim. What would you tell them to get them unstuck? Uh, Man, that's tough because when somebody feels victimized, you can't throw that out the window. You can't say, so you have to do some, some soul searching. You have to kind of research the situation and figure out why that person feels like, they were a victim, right. why the system failed them. You know, they were working out 10 times a week and they couldn't lose the weight or they couldn't qualify for Kona or, you know, whatever. You have to dig into it and find out the whys, what happened. And then once you start to, to delve in and figure out what happened, why it happened, 
then you start the building process. Could we have done it different? Could we have changed our approach to the training? Could we stretch it out, you know, instead of doing 10 workouts a week, can we do eight workouts a week at a higher level? Figure out a different way to approach how they're going about their business in a way that makes them feel good about themselves. I think that's the other thing is, especially in sport, if you're not having fun doing it, if it doesn't feel right, if it feels more like work than gratifying experiences like it should be, then maybe you're in it for the wrong reason. And maybe maybe you have to kind of reevaluate the why, why you're doing yeah. it. I think that's a that's a really big message. It, it, it comes down to, like you said, looking at what you're doing, why you're doing it, how you got there. Oh, can you do something else? We so quickly say, oh my God, I just did that. Okay, well, now you like, grieve, figure out like, what are you, what are you feeling? What are you going through? Mm-hmm. Take that step back, look at it, evaluate it. Like you said, like, okay, like what can I do differently? Control what you can control. That's what I would tell the people listening. Right. Control right. what you can control. And right. what you can control is like how it happens next time. How something similar may approach you the same way or a different way. And you can be more prepared to react differently. Right. That's the key, right? It's, it's right. being able to stop, think, regroup, set a plan, and then move forward. An- another thing I would say, and you set a plan just made me think of this. Um, Oftentimes in my life after failure, what helps me is if you can visualize it. I wouldn't call it a failure because when you shoot for the stars and you fall short, you still end up on top. So another thing that I was, when I was in Japan, I used to fly with a guy named Mark Kelly. If the name sounds familiar, it should. Uh, He was an astronaut. He had a twin brother that was an astronaut. And now he's the new senator, one of the new senators in Arizona. Anyway, Mark and I were were good friends and he was interested in becoming an astronaut. And so he basically talked me into it. And I, I said, yeah, that'd be really cool. Anyway, I put in all my paperwork and applied to become an astronaut. And I, I did get accepted into it. But that whole time into the process, like I visualized what it would take to get to that step. And in that visualization, some things were just, you know, here's another thing. You have to be reasonable in your goal setting. You know, like you, you have to set goals that are attainable. And you can do that with a mentor, a coach, somebody that knows how to get to that path. And the things that I was visualizing and the things that I need to do, which was go to graduate school, which I'd already done, right. uh, and then go to test pilot school, and then go back to graduate school to get a mechanical engineering degree and a master's degree. You know, I had two kids at that time. That was, for me, a lofty goal. And at a certain point, I realized that might not be attainable for me. But what it did do was all the things that I was doing to get in line for that astronaut program put me in line to become uh, in charge of my own squadron in the Navy. So I fell short, but I, I still ended up in a, in a good yeah, space. Well, I so, appreciate that, man. Yeah, visualizing how you're on what's race day. 
when you go into a big race, you have to think about every single phase. Getting up in the morning, getting all your things prepared, getting to that start line, you know, your nutrition, you know, how you're going to do that swim, you know, when you get out, the transition, you know, every single thing, how you're going to get on the bike, what right. you're going to manage that wattage so that you can have some legs when you get on that run. All those things you have to, you Visualize have to it. see it. Yeah. yeah. See it and know that you can accomplish it. Uh, yeah, man. The work that you can do it. That's all it is, man. But, you know, I appreciate it, brother. This was a great conversation. I know going to get some great feedback from it, really learning about failure, moving through it, shooting for the stars, right? You still going to land on top. And I like that. And we appreciate you for coming, man, and talking to us. And hopefully in the future, we can do this again and we can bring some more valuable stories back to the people out there. And if, you know, you need anything from me, I'm always here. Appreciate you. Until next time, we're going to do this every two weeks. And I hope you that you're sharing it and you're liking it and whatever else you ever you see it, just make sure everybody, everybody in the world can listen, man. You know this what I mean? This guy, <laughs> is, he is doing good things. So, trying, brother. Morgan, best of luck to you, man, with the rest of your podcast. You're doing great things, man. I really appreciate you, brother. Thank you for inviting me. Thank you, man. And until next time, guys, see you. Bye. Thank you for listening. Find Coach Morgan on social media and at www.morganlattimore.com. Check back every two weeks for new and insightful episodes. Until next time, remember, you are enough. You just have to believe it.